Anyway, this evening I have a, um, a message on my heart for you. I have to be honest, we are going to be reading from Proverbs 31 this evening. And I have to say that in launching Vision Women Evenings, using this passage of scripture has taken a huge amount of Holy Spirit convincing on my part. I don't know about you, but this is a woman that I really love to hate. I would, I would quite like to rip her passage out of my Bible. And the mention of her name, it's definitely not the same as the mention of Jesus' name. Um, I've wondered many times what on earth was that mother thinking of setting up her poor daughter-in-law as she told her son what he should be looking for in a wife. Um, what, did she not realise that not only was she ruining her daughter-in-law's life but she was actually ruining the rest of our lives as well? I, um, I wrote, just so that you have an idea of what I have thought about this passage of scripture in the past, I, eight years ago I was speaking to a group of mums and uh, I had four children under 10 and so I wrote my own version of Proverbs 31. I'm just going to read it to you before we read the real one. She is trim, taut and terrific with the same figure she had 15 years ago or so she expects when she looks at herself in the change room mirror. She is committed to regular exercise and excellent nutrition. She runs a smooth, slick operation in her home, the picture of the cover of Home Beautiful and her organic vegetable patch is the envy of the neighbourhood. She serves up meals that would have George and Gary in raptures at her skills and talent, and there is not one complaint from her family. She is kind and compassionate with a kind and gentle word given to all, including the telephone company operator on her fourth attempt to resolve a problem. She is a woman faithfully devoted to God, consistently setting aside quiet times, unflustered and peaceful. She attends church, is a committed member of the worship team, the women's ministry program, the Sunday school team, and she coordinates the casserole bank. Her children are all well behaved at home and in public, and she consistently and lovingly guides and instructs them and spends regular one-on-one time with each of them and is in touch with their needs. She is a thoughtful wife, always honouring of her husband, respectful and encouraging of him in all he he does, and she never nags or has a crossword to say. She is a wonderful daughter, sister, friend and gracious hostess. She regularly maintains contact with a large network of friends, phoning, texting, emailing and visiting, and she is the first to recognise a new face and welcome them home for a cuppa. She encourages others with her uplifting blog and is up to date with all her correspondence, sending birthday cards, Christmas cards and thank you letters on time. She works part-time outside the home and is a dependable and committed employee with an excellent head for business and she only needs four hours sleep a night. (laughs) It may not always be intentional... But around the world, Proverbs 31 seems to be held up as an unattainable benchmark for us as women. So tonight what I'm hopeful of doing, having had a bit of arm twisting from the Holy Spirit and spent a bit of time with Proverbs 31, who from now on I would like to affectionately call P31, is to actually do a bit of myth busting about this superwoman. 
So what we'll do first is we will read the passage of scripture from the Amplified. I know that makes it a bit longer. You do have copies there. I've got a couple of extra copies at the back. Again, I just underestimated how many copies I would need. So um, we will read this together and then unpack a few things. So an excellent woman, one who is spiritual, capable, intelligent and virtuous. Who is he who can find her? Her value is more precious than jewels and her worth is far above rubies or pearls. The heart of her husband trusts her with secure confidence and he will have no lack of gain. She comforts, encourages and does him only good and not evil all the days of her life. She looks for wool and flax and works with willing hands in delight. She is like a merchant ship abounding with treasure. She brings her household's food from afar. She rises while it is still night and gives food to her household and assigns tasks to her maids. She considers a field before she buys or accepts it, expanding her business prudently. With her profits, she plants fruitful vines in her vineyard. I know you're not convinced yet that she's worth reading. Stay with me. She equips herself with strength, spiritual, mental and physical fitness for her God-given task and makes her arms strong. She sees that her gain is good. Her lamp does not go out, but it burns continually through the night. She is prepared for whatever lays ahead. She stretches out her hands to the distaff. Apparently that's something to do with spinning and weaving. And, hold, and she, her hands hold the spindle as she spins wool into thread for clothing. She opens and extends her hands to the poor and she reaches out her filled hands to the needy. Glad you're following. She does not fear the snow for her household for all in her household are clothed in expensive scarlet wool. She makes for herself coverlets, cushions and rugs of tapestry. Her clothing is linen, pure and fine and purple wool. Her husband is known in the city gates when he sits among the elders of the land. She makes fine linen garments and sells them and supplies sashes to the merchants. Strength and dignity are her clothing and her position is strong and secure and she smiles at the future knowing that she and her family are prepared. She opens her mouth in skillful and godly wisdom and the teaching of kindness is on her tongue, giving counsel and instruction. She looks well to how things go in her household and does not eat the bread of idleness. Her children rise up and call her blessed, happy, prosperous and to be admired. And her husband also, and he praises her saying, many daughters have done nobly and well with the strength of character that is steadfast in goodness, but you excel them all. Charm and grace are deceptive and superficial. Beauty is vain. But a woman who fears the Lord, reverently worshipping, obeying, serving and trusting him with awe-filled respect, she shall be praised. Give her of the produce of her hands and let her own works praise her in the gates of the city. Let's just pray. God, we know that you don't put anything in scripture to shame us or to hold a bar higher than you call us to. And so, Father, this evening as we unpack your word together, I pray that you would speak to our hearts. God, 
regardless of what we think of this passage of scripture, we're just open to what it is that you want to say to us this evening. In Jesus' name, amen. So, did you know that Proverbs 31 verses 10 to 31, which is what we've just read, is actually written as an acrostic poem? So, it's written as an acrostic poem, meaning that the first letter of each of those verses is one of the 22 letters of the Hebrew alphabet. So it would be a bit like us sitting here, uh, here this evening and trying to find out 26 characteristics of womanhood using our alphabet. So I just want to put that before you, not saying that we should dismiss anything in this, but they were looking for letters to tick off, okay? This is not written about a real woman. There are many accounts of real women in scripture who historically existed. Esther, Deborah, Ruth, many of the women who surround, or all the women who surrounded Jesus. This woman is a fictitious woman. She is not real, okay? Myth bust number two. In the broadest sense, this poem was not written to help a man choose a perfect wife but actually, as many Christian scholars believe, is considered to be an allegory reflecting the end-time victorious bride of Christ. Okay? We do. Hallelujah. So whilst the end-time studies is actually not what our focus is this evening, I just I, what I want to do is encourage us and our hearts as women, God values us. He values the feminine heart. His image is reflected in us as his girls. And he goes as far as to use the excellence of womanhood to represent his end time church. I find it amazing that he would take everyday aspects of a godly woman to reveal the truth about his bride. And so P31 is actually really a practical reflection of Christ-likeness. And we don't become more Christ-like by striving, but being transformed inwardly because we become like the one that we behold. So 2 Corinthians 3.18 puts it this way. It says, But all of us Christians... With unveiled faces, see the Lord's splendour reflected, as though we are looking in a mirror. And so are being transformed into his likeness in ever-increasing splendour. This is the work of the Lord, who is the Holy Spirit. So it's the Holy Spirit's role in our lives to be transforming us from glory to glory to become more like Jesus. So a couple of other myths that I want to bust about this woman. It is very unlikely that this is reflective of one day in the life of a woman and more likely to be reflective of the varied and different seasons of her life. This is not a call for us to be wonder women and it is not an instruction manual on how to be the perfect woman. It is instead what I'd like to suggest this evening for you to view it as a celebration of womanly excellence, character, resourcefulness and skill. And I really want to be clear tonight 
that this poem reflects womanhood and not just the roles of being a wife and mother in domestic bliss. Some translations use the word wife, others use the word woman. The word in Hebrew means both. And in the case of P31, she happens to be a wife and a mother which fitted with the culture of the day. But this woman is relevant to us whether we are married or single, whether we have children or have never had children, whether we are older, young or middle-aged, whether we work, are retired or whether we're working inside of our home raising our children. She is relevant to all of us because this poem reflects the excellence of womanhood. I actually also want to suggest to you this evening that P31 reflects the breadth of the feminine heart. From the reflections that she shows of kindness and nurturing to her love of fine clothing and soft furnishings that some of us might have to the strong heart she shows for social justice, a practical head, great business management skills, seeing a need and meeting it and much more that I hope to unpack with you this evening and next time we meet. She shows us that we can embrace femininity without being boxed into certain roles, that our roles are not what define excellence in womanhood or our value. I want to say that again. Our roles are not what define excellence in womanhood or our value. So reflected here is the glory of an everyday life, daily acts of faithfulness, mostly in the ordinary and mundane, although I've never gone overseas to get food for my family. And this woman is down to earth. She's an ordinary woman and her life includes mundane responsibilities. So regardless of how exciting you think your life is or is not, you can live with excellence, valued and flourishing. Now, I called this evening's talk The Valiant Woman. So why? The amplified version that we've read this evening uses the word excellent woman. Other translations might say virtuous woman or worthy woman. But that word that's translated excellent or worthy or virtuous is actually the Hebrew word she'il. And she'il is actually a masculine noun. It means strength, might, efficiency, ability, wealth, force, capable and valiant. It's actually a military word. And it's the same word that the angel used with Gideon when he said, you mighty man of valor, valor, she'il, same word. So an excellent or virtuous woman who can find is actually best translated a woman of valor who can find. And so the Hebrew um, phrase here, I'm going to try and make sure I get it right, is a shet she'il. So a shet is the feminine part that's saying woman, a shet, she'il, she'il, valor, woman of valor. 
So, and when I was reading up about this phrase, I found out that even in modern day Israel, Jewish women use this phrase to cheer each other on with a blessing. Like it's like a blessing that they declare over each other. They use it when they're celebrating a promotion. They celebrate it when they're celebrating, sorry, declare it over each other when they're celebrating about a pregnancy or an act of justice or mercy or a battle with cancer. And they meet that with a hearty, a shet sheil. And so I'd like you to think of this as the Jewish version of you go girl, a shet sheil. Turn to one somebody next to you and say a shet sheil. You go girl. So this phrase a shet sheil was actually also used by Boaz in referring to Ruth, and in Ruth it's actually um, translated often a woman of noble character. That's what um, in our translations often it says. But it's the same phrase, a shet sheil. But he used this of Ruth when her life far from reflected the success of P31. At the point that he used this of Ruth, she was destitute, she was a childless widow, she was a foreigner, and she was foraging for food in somebody else's field. So I, what I want you to get about this is that this is not, this is, this is, sorry, this is a statement of inherent value. It is not a measuring stick of performance. So you are a valiant woman, not because you are perfect, but because, not because of what you do, but because of who the Father says you are in Christ and who he has purposed you to be. As a woman, you are designed in beautiful and unique ways. Your feminine heart expresses the very nature and image of God. And for all of us, being a valiant woman flows from the inner working and transformation of God in our lives. So we can choose to read Proverbs 31 with a heart of discouragement, measuring all the ways we fall short and possibly even looking at where we don't have the obvious blessings that P31 seems to have. Or we can read Proverbs 31 as a depiction of an ordinary life lived well, as an invitation to glorious potential, the potential of the feminine heart connected to Jesus and all the resources of heaven, living fully alive in Christ as women of character, valued and flourishing. P31 is the picture of a woman who is valued and flourishing. So our theme for this year at Vision Women is valued and flourishing. And I guess what I want us to get from this this evening is that one of the reflections of P31 is that she's a woman who reflects the fullness of a woman who is comfortable in her own skin. And she has a heart towards the Lord. And what we see when we read all of these attributes of hers is the overflow of that into her life and into the life of those around her. And so tonight what I want to do as we think about our 
our theme being valued and flourishing is tonight I want to look at how P31 reflects to us a life lived through the lens of being valued. And then next month what I want to do is look at how living a life through the lens of being valued overflows into living a life that is flourishing. Okay? So I believe that as women we need to feel valued that we actually need to feel appreciated and that we actually need to feel, know and experience our value. As I've been thinking about this characteristic of us as women, and that's not saying that men don't need to be valued, but it looks different in our lives, I think. And I've wondered whether this need for value and to feel valued actually makes us more susceptible as women to seeking approval And I was thinking, well, what's the difference between being valued and seeking approval? And the thing that I I, I guess, and you can agree or disagree with me, but I think from my point of view, the difference is that approval is more to do with what we do. It's It's our performance rather than value, which is to do with our inherent worth and preciousness. And I just think that it's worth thinking this evening that if we are women who need to be valued, do we fall for the counterfeit of looking for approval rather than actually receiving true value? I'd like to suggest to you that when a woman doesn't feel valued, she's more likely to be critical, she's more likely to gossip, she's more likely to be competitive and caught up in comparisons. A woman who doesn't know her value may be someone who is drawn and feels very powerless and voiceless, but she may also be the mean girl trying to elevate her own value at the expense of someone else's or the woman who is desperately trying to be perfect to earn her worth. A woman who really knows her value will exude humble confidence and a comfort with who she is. She will know her grace zone. She will know what her strengths and her weaknesses are. And she will have a voice that she uses wisely and her actions won't be an attempt to prove her worth, but they will be an overflow of knowing her value and her worth. So obviously, as women who love Jesus, our starting place of value comes from our value to and in God. So verse 10 says, Her value is more precious than jewels. Her worth is far more above, is far above rubies. Sorry, and I, that is on one of the little cards that was on some of your seats. So her value is more precious than jewels. Her worth is far above rubies. You don't need to prove your value and worth to God as women because you are his daughter. You are not valuable for what you do but because of whose you are and the price that was paid for you. God desires for us, though, not to only hold this as head knowledge, I think, but actually to experience our value to him. And I think we see this reflected in the story of the woman at the well. If you want to read about her later, her story is found in John 4. 
This is actually, did you know, the longest recorded conversation with anyone with Jesus recorded in the Bible. And she's a woman and she's a Samaritan woman at that. This conversation should never have taken place because Jews and Samaritans did not mix with each other. This woman had so little value in her own community and we assume that's because as the result of her sinful lifestyle that she is at the well in the heat of the day. The usual custom would be that the women would all go together in the cool of the day to draw water. She is there by herself in the heat of the day because she has been ostracised and has no value in her own community. And Jesus not only speaks to her, but he reveals who he is to her. This is the first person, she is the first person that he reveals that he is the Christ to. And her encounter with Jesus brings such transformation in her life as she feels valued and seen and heard. And I wonder, because Jesus didn't let didn't gloss over her sin, did he? He, he said, I, you, you said what is true, you, you, do, you do not have a husband because the man you're with now you're, is not your husband and you've had five other husbands before this one. But he must have said it in such a way. It wasn't with condemnation but with love as he saw her and revealed truth to her. And because of what she experiences in being valued by Jesus, she returns to her persecutors to lead them to Christ. Verse 39 in John um, 4 says, Many Samaritans from that town believed in Jesus because of this woman's testimony. And this is profound, not just because of her past, but because in this day and uh, in that day and age, sorry, in that culture, Women's testimonies were rarely given any merit. And she doesn't just lead them to Jesus, but she actually leads with the testimony of her own sin and the transformation in her life. She says to them, he told me everything I have ever done. There was no doubt, ladies, in the town's mind that everything she had ever done. That was why she was ostracised. But she actually led with her sin. I find that just so humbling and incredible. That as she found value in Jesus, she was able to be truthful and vulnerable and lead the very people who had ostracised her to the Lord. The value that she received from Jesus removed shame and brought redemption in her life. The other woman who is marked by the value that she has expressed to her by Jesus is the woman at Bethany. You may know the story. It's found in Mark 14. It's fairly close to Jesus' betrayal and death. And she comes with a very costly oil and she pours it all over Jesus. And everyone in the room, including his disciples, are incredibly critical of her. But Jesus not only defends her, but he says this incredible statement. He says, wherever the gospel is proclaimed in the whole world, what she has done will be told in memory of her. What value and honour was given to this woman by Jesus as he declared this 
to everyone in that room. And true to his word, we know her story today some 2,000 years later. Both of these women left their encounter with Jesus in no doubt of their value to him. I think that one of the ways that God's purposes for us to experience our value is through the people around us. He actually intends for us to be in close communities and fellowship where we feel valued. I'm not wanting to undermine what I've said about first and foremost, our value comes from God. But these women, what they reflect is a face-to-face encounter with Jesus in the flesh. And he means for us to experience and know our value. And so I believe that one of the ways that he intends for us to experience and know our value is from the close community and fellowship that we have around us. So if you look at verses 28 and 29 in Proverbs 31, it says this. It says, Her children rise up and call her blessed, her husband also. And he praises her saying, Many daughters have done nobly and well, but you excel them all. I'd like you to look past the specifics of this is her husband and children for a moment because obviously that's not everyone's experience. But in P31's life, her husband and her children basically represent the people closely around her. So the question I have for you is who are the people around you who value you? In safe and healthy relationships, you will feel valued. Obviously, that won't always be perfectly conveyed because people have rough days and sometimes we fail in our communication. But a safe and healthy relationship will be characterised by value that is expressed one to another. So one of the mandates that I believe there is for us as the church and more specifically in our context tonight as vision women is that as sisters in Christ gathered together, we are to love, value and honour each other and to express that so that it's known and experienced We're to cheer each other on, to encourage each other and spur one another on and indeed to challenge one another and keep each other accountable. I believe that when women value each other, they reinforce each other and encourage each other, then we move forward together. I believe that it's God's intention that we are to need each other. When we look at the life of P31, I think it's fairly easy to see how she values others. And I guess one of the mistakes that I feel that I've made is that I've thought that she's done that in seemingly selfless serving. But if you actually look carefully at this passage, you will see that it is actually not at the neglect of herself. So verse 17 says that she equips herself with strength, spiritual, mental and physical fitness for her God-given tasks and makes her arms strong. So I want to suggest to you that she values herself by intentionally looking after herself physically. 
Verse 18 says that her lamp does not go out, but it burns continually through the night. Now, at face value, this does look the very opposite of valuing herself by not giving herself sleep. But what if I was to tell you that that lamp represented the very presence of God in her life and actually represented her prayer life and her communion with Jesus? And so when we look at it that way, she values herself by not allowing the lamp of his presence to be extinguished in her life. She nurtures her prayer life knowing that he is her source. Verse 22 says she makes herself coverlets, cushions and rugs of tapestry and her clothing, clothing is linen, pure and fine. I'm claiming this as valuing yourself through shopping. I did tell Justin that last night. He laughed. <laughs> but seriously, she does actually allow herself by allowing herself to have pleasure and enjoyment in her life. Now, that clothing and soft furnishings may not be your thing, but it's just a reflection that she's doing some things to treat herself. And then verse 15 says that she assigns tasks to her maids. Now, obviously, most of us don't have maids, but I do want to suggest that this represents her valuing herself by knowing where her limitations are, delegating and actually allowing people to help her. I don't know that we're always very good at doing that as women, but I, think that, I don't think that it's kind of extrapolating too much to say that she's valuing herself by knowing where her limitations are and accepting help. So I want to be clear, I'm not trying to promote this evening a sense of entitlement or selfishness. I was saying to Justin last night as I was going through this with him, I really don't want to sound like a L'Oreal ad, you're worth it. Um, <laughs> but actually you are worth it. And it's actually very difficult to value others unless you value yourself. I think sometimes we drop off, you know, in the commandments. Jesus said the two most important commandments, love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your mind and all your soul. Second is like it. Love your neighbour as yourself. So as a valiant woman, a valiant woman values herself by acknowledging and taking responsibility and taking notice of her own needs. And I would suggest that's physically, emotionally, relationally and spiritually. I've been on quite a journey about this in my own life in the last 12 months. At the end of 2015, I finished the year exhausted. Not just the kind of tired at the end of the year, but the kind of exhausted that really did have me wondering whether I was kind of teetering on the edge of burnout. I found that I was lacking in physical fitness to the point where if I squatted down in the kitchen to get something out of the cupboard, I couldn't stand back up again without grabbing hold of the bench. Um, I felt exhausted. That's not a judgment statement on anybody who can't do that. But for me as a 44-year-old woman at the time, I thought this is not good. And what started for me was a journey of what I called cultivating habits for longevity. As God started to get my attention in areas of cultivating habits for longevity, both physically, emotionally, relationally and spiritually. 
What I found is, because I think God is a bit sneaky like this sometimes, is that as I tackled what to me seemed like some physical fitness goals and I engaged a health coach and started working on my physical strength, I found that... Um, and the other thing that I did actually was I went and got some long-time health checks that I'd been meaning to get and I'd just been putting off. But what I actually found is that I didn't realise what an impact just taking notice of those needs in my life would have on other areas of my life. And I think that what God sometimes does is he takes the things we can see and he uses them to reveal things that are hidden. And so for me, my self-neglect ran much, much deeper than my lack of physical fitness. And so as I've increased the priorities of acknowledging and taking responsibility for my own needs, I've realised there's no shame in having needs and actually ensuring that they're met. And I think as women, we're not always particularly good at that. So how do you value yourself? It may be physically getting to bed on time with good nutrition or making time for exercise or getting that health check that you've been putting off. It may be ensuring that you have enjoyment, pleasure and comfort in your life and fun hobbies and leisure and rest. It may be with cultivating healthy relationships and even making the hard choice sometimes to set healthy boundaries with others and valuing yourself. It may be intentionally prioritising a time for a retreat or for soaking and allowing God to restore your soul and refresh you. And you may value yourself by making time to receive prayer ministry and taking time to get healed up from life's hurts rather than ignoring your needs and trying to just push through. So my challenge for us this evening as God's girls is that we would allow ourselves first to receive from the Lord a fresh revelation of our value. That as valiant women, we would value ourselves by acknowledging and taking responsibility and notice of our own needs. And that we would, as women, be outward looking to value those God place, God to value those, sorry, that God has placed around us. This year, the theme through all of our women's ministry is valued and flourishing. I don't confess to have the fullness of that picture at this stage, but I feel like God has given me glimpses of that. And what I picture is a group of women who know and experience their unique value to him, but also to one another. And that indeed we would know and acknowledge our own value. I see women across generations walking together. I see women flourishing where they're planted, women who are courageous, active, comfortable in their own skin and in who God has made them to be. I see ordinary women filled with an extraordinary God, passionate, engaged, serving and mobilised. And I see valiant women who are valued and flourishing. Aishet Shail, you go girl. Would you like to stand?
Father, we just really want to take the time this evening, God, to again afresh invite you to reveal to us our value to you. Just as Jesus took time, Lord, with those women to demonstrate their value, we thank you, God, that you mean for us to know and experience how you value us. And Father, we recognise that there are times where we perhaps haven't valued those around us, that we maybe haven't valued one another, and certainly times where we haven't valued ourselves. This evening, God, we repent of that. We acknowledge, God, where we have fallen short in that, and we just receive your forgiveness. And God, we just really ask that as we go from here this evening, you would teach us your ways. You would teach us, God, what it looks like to give real honour to those around us and value to those around us, but also how to value ourselves. God, I just pray for every one of us this evening that you would just begin to highlight an area, Father, that you have for us to begin to value ourselves more in. We give you permission, God, to speak to our hearts, to change us. But I thank you, God, that you are faithful and that, God, you deal with one thing at a time. And so this evening, God, we just pray that you would show us our deepest needs. And I thank you, God, that there is no shame in acknowledging our need before you and before those that you've placed in our life. God, I pray that as we journey together this year as vision women, that you would draw us closer together in community, in sisterhood, in connection, and in relationship. God, I pray that we would be a group of women characterised by valuing one another, by loving and serving you, God, not from a place of trying to prove our worth, but already knowing how valuable we are to you and just wanting to reflect you, God. And we're just really excited, God, about what you have for us and really want to participate in the fullness of what that is. So we ask these things in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and ask that you would bless our supper this evening. Amen.